Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I'm looking forward to the sequels, The Beige Man, The Mauve Man, and The Taupe Man. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. More like the soulless man. More like <laughs> the passionless man. More like the uh, bland man. These are all synonyms for gray, and they work. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I'm Jeff Kanata, and I was told I could do this podcast in exchange for removing my criminal record. <laughs> You're going to be working for a long time, buddy. (laughs) A lot of people you need to kill, Jeff. Um, (laughs) Those are, of course, all very oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the new Russo Brothers film starring Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, The Gray Man, which is streaming right now on Netflix. It's also the most expensive Netflix film ever made. That means it's the most good, right? Yeah, no, I think that's right. Dollars equates to goodness and quality, I think, is uh, generally how it goes. So you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Use the hashtag slash tag on Twitter to plug stuff that you want us to check out. And if you want to support the podcast, it's very easy to do that by going to patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Darks. We got some great stuff coming up for you in the month of August. Um, Specifically, next week, we're planning to do a review of Resurrection, a movie that Devendra has been recommending for approximately eight months, I think. Um, Uh And I'm excited to check it out. Uh, But it should be on Video On Demand next week. Looking forward to that. And that will be available on the After Dark, patreon.com. Uh, slash film podcast. Before we get to our review of The Gray Man, we got some follow-ups. We got some other film news that I want to mention real quick. It's going to be a lot of fun, folks. So first of all, last week, uh, got a lot of great feedback, a lot of great response to our conversation about the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Phase 4, 5, and 6. And um, uh, really appreciate Dan Gavazin being here uh, and lending us his expertise. One of the things that was mentioned on last week's episode was I made the remark, like, I wish there was a some kind of <laughs> notification or legend or key uh, that told you what you needed to be kept up to date with before you watched a new Marvel TV show or film. Many people quickly pointed out that, that such a thing exists, and it's called Marvel Studios Legends. Uh, All right. You know, yeah. it comes in from J.P. Gagan, who writes in. I wanted to respond to your phase four and beyond chat. In this week's episode, you mentioned the need for a Marvel recap show as we get further into the MCU. I wanted to let you know this show is already on Disney Plus. It's called Marvel Legends, and they release new episodes a week or two before each new movie. They're mostly just well-edited cutdowns of individual character journeys across the MCU. They started with Wanda and Vision episodes right before WandaVision. Most recently, there's episodes for Thor, Valkyrie, and Jane Foster. They even went so far as to do another Wanda episode before Doctor Strange that included WandaVision footage. I personally used to be the type of person who tried to rewatch the movies before each new movie, but as the MCU has continued, it's become harder and harder to do that without taking a full week or month off work. These five to 10 minute recap videos have become my go-to refresh before going into a new MCU joint. Love the podcast. Look forward to each episode. That comes from JP Gagan. That's awesome. I, yeah. I knew Marvel, Le- uh, Marvel Legends was a thing. I just didn't know what thing it was. <laughs> it's the you thing never we wanted. It. It's not for you. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, pretty cool. you're watching everything, Jeff. You're, I know, but it's still, I, I, I love that that exists. I, it's weird. I, I'm kind of chastising myself for not 
ever investigating what those were. I had a sense that they were sort of promo material type things, but I love the fact that they're kind of cut down, you know, uh, previously on type stuff. That's great. I think it's cool. So that's Marvel Studios Legends. You can find it on Disney Plus. Uh, and there have been 17 episodes so far, uh, including Doctor Strange, Wong, Hawkeye, The Ten Rings. A lot of stuff that's going to help you get caught up with... Uh, and and I like that it's, for, it's seemingly for stuff that happened on TV as well as the movies, right? So yeah, it's to, it's to prepare you for the TV shows as well as the movies. Um, so yeah, uh, it seems like a reasonable substitution if you can't watch all the stuff before this. So that's exactly what I feel Disney Plus is for. You know, like they can mm-hmm. have content like that because it's just con. It's easy for them to make. It's like uh, all those Star Wars shows. There's that. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but I talked about it a while back when I watched it. The, the Star Wars, like just landscapes of Star Wars show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there were, there's no place for that before there was a Disney Plus. Yeah. I love yeah. that that exists to have stuff like this. Because Star I Wars mean, they, biomes, they just, I think. Yeah, yes, the biomes. yes. They just have a place for for whatever, for B-roll content. They just run the stuff <laughs> exactly. forever. Here's our scraps, people. Watch <laughs> yeah, they just, it. It's amazing. Just hire an editor. Like, this is yeah. one person. Edit some stuff together. Mm-hmm. Now it's a show. They do Boom. the same for, like, the animation stuff, which is just, like, animation vibes, which I yeah. really like, too. And Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah same thing. Yeah, just like, B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> just waterfalls across all <laughs> Disney shows. It's like, it, But it's delightful to watch. Yeah. One thing that was brought up last week was Fantastic Four. We mentioned that it'll be part of Phase Six. We didn't really talk much about it. Um, we've uh, we talked about Fantastic Four and the possibilities for that film on this podcast in the past. Um, we don't know that much about it. I just wanted to call it out because seems like it could be a pretty freaking big deal. Like my understanding is, mm-hmm. Fantastic Four are like critical characters in the MCU, and it's really weird that we haven't had them be part of the mcu thus far only mostly because of rights issues is why we haven't had them as part of the mcu but now that fox is owned by disney uh and marvel like that's no longer a problem um but i I did want to call out that fantasy four has the opportunity or the potential to be a big deal and we know from kevin feige who's talked about it that um it's probably not going to be an origin story per se which i think is kind of interesting because most of the time when a character debuts in the mcu it's an origin story um their first movie is an origin story so i I am really curious how that's going to play out anyway jeff i know you have some thoughts on this there is no property that hasn't been made into a movie by the official marvel studios that i care more about than this one um Mm. i the fantastic four is beloved to me uh every you know cinematic excursion we've had so far has been a, a disaster and uh, I think these characters deserve uh, true, you know, Marvel Studios treatment. And I have big thoughts. I have big, big, big thoughts about what I think they should do. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I care very, very, very much for these characters. And I really want them to be an integral part of the tapestry of those films, uh, that film universe. And I really want these characters to be done right on the big screen for once. And so I, I, you know, literally, you know, I'm excited about the Avatar movies, but I, I think Fantastic Four is the one I'm holding my breath for more than more than any other movie that I can think of right now. All right. Well, we, we'll see how that plays out. But the Fantastic Four movie is currently uh, scheduled to be released in November of 2024. So a little over two years from now. Um, but it should be exciting. It should be really interesting to see what they decide to do with that property. 
Uh, anyway, just a couple of follow-ups from our Marvel conversation. Um, here's another follow-up. Speaking of uh, Marvel, let's talk about something that's the complete opposite of that. This email coming in from Sandy from Southeast London, who writes in with this email subject line, uh, thanks for reviewing Mad God, the film that makes Meet the Feebles look like the Muppet Show. <laughs> um, Sandy writes in, quote, I want to express some appreciation for your choice to review Mad God. Your review led me to reflect on how plotless films work for me. Sometimes a really creative, evocative film works best by just washing over the viewer. At their best, films like this can make you experience the world from a perspective that you may not otherwise get to know intimately and in a way that feels more immersive than most plot-driven films can allow. As someone who never had a religious upbringing, I never suffered nightmares of being condemned to the hell described in the Bible, in spite of my fascination for the gruesome imagery of the history of European Christian art. But for fleeting moments, watching Mad God gave me the sensation of dread that hell is a tangible threat to my immortal soul, a sensation that I have felt once before in my life, but otherwise thought of only in the abstract as a tool to frighten and control superstitious people. Mm. Jeff, I'm skipping ahead here. Jeff listed some of the infinite reasons why someone may uh, else may not experience or enjoy this effect as, it, as the film washes over them. Unrelated to Jeff's reasons for disliking the film, it occurred to me that maybe one reason not to feel or appreciate this effect is if the viewer has already got that feeling somewhere uh, from somewhere else. Like, I don't know, the fucking news. At any rate, I'm looking forward to hearing Mad God mentioned once again in Jeff's segment of I Didn't Get It Awards at the end of 2022. Yeah, probably um, pretty likely many mm-hmm, thanks mm-hmm. for the years of outstanding film criticism and inspiration end quote um so thanks for the email sandy and yeah i mean we don't always review the kind of undersung underseen movies that are on obscure streaming so oh, shadow is not that obscure but uh you know it's not, it's not a big. it's not a major yeah. movie that was re- that received a huge theatrical release with a 150 million dollar marketing budget or anything like that um, but you know, we try to uh, do an interesting and obscure film every now and then relatively obscure film every now and then. And it's really nice that, uh, people get something out of those reviews and that, uh, people check out those movies uh, mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. might not otherwise have checked out. E- even um, if it's like visiting hell, like I, I think oh, yeah. it's an interesting <laughs> visit to hell. Yeah. Yeah. But highly recommend Mad God, which is available right now on Shudder and, uh, our conversation with Carlos Aguilar about it a few weeks ago. Finally, before we move on, I want to tell you guys, I think you guys both watched Nope, uh, the Jordan Peele movie in mm-hmm. screenings, or did you watch it? Did you, or did you catch no, I watched it in a normal screening. Normal you, you watched it in a normal screening. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to describe my experience watching <laughs> Nope uh, you know, at an AMC screening, okay? Mm-hmm. Mine no was spoilers. a screening, but it was a radio station screening, so it may as well have been a real yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got, I see, I see, got it. Uh, no no spoilers for Nope up ahead. So here we go. Um, so I, first of all, I've timed my whole thing now where uh, AMC Theaters has approximately 20 to 22 minutes mm-hmm. of material mm-hmm. before yep. they yep. play the movie. So Which is, I, let's all be honest, absurd, yes. right? That's absurd. Yes. That's an absurd amount of time before the movie starts. Yes. So I, I get to the movie, I sit through a couple trailers then the AMC pre-roll comes on, right? Which is like, and now the movie you've all been waiting for. Enjoy the show. Thanks to our AMC Stubbs members. You know, like sit through that pre-roll. Then sit through the Nicole Kidman pre-roll, which is a joy, you know, so that's not a problem, right? <laughs> and then at that point, you expect the movie to start, right? Like, yeah, that's when, yeah. okay, 25 minutes of stuff. Now the movie starts. Instead of the movie starting, 
there was a trailer for the new, a teaser trailer for the new Christopher Nolan film Oppenheimer. Right, yeah. That yeah. appeared to be counting down to the release of the movie in real time. Mm-hmm. Now, I was very excited. I made a TikTok about this. I was like, it, it's counting down to the movie in real time. Uh, immediately, people who manage theaters chimed in to that TikTok and said, you're wrong. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that your trailer is not updating in real time. Um, because they don't have the technology to make. Yeah, how would they do that? What are you What are you talking about? Right. However, yeah. however, so th- so I took the TikTok down because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to propagate false news, right? Uh-huh. But yeah, then, I mean, no, one on, no one on TikTok would do that. No, that's no. literally all TikToks are at this point. So, yeah, <laughs> no one would ever spread anything false on TikTok, guys. So yeah, I don't know what you guys talking yeah. about. Um, but then what ended up happening is Universal Pictures this week published the trailer for Oppenheimer online as a real-time trailer. And uh, it is counting down to the release of the movie in real time. And it's really cool how they did it, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the way they're doing it is it is streaming from, like, on the Universal Pictures YouTube channel in a continuous loop. So it's looping over and over again. And every single time (laughs) it loops, the timing uh, that is, you know, there's a countdown that appears at some Mm -hmm. point in the trailer that counts down to when the movie comes out. Uh, and that timing updates every single additional time that the movie loops. That's that's actually pretty cool. It doesn't it cost them cool. anything. Yeah, you just have to keep it running. Yeah, well, I don't think they're going to keep it running till the movie begins. Is my guess um, because for the sole reason that it is broadcasting live from the Universal Pictures uh, like ma- main YouTube mm, channel. If they created mm-hmm. a separate Oppenheimer movie YouTube channel. Then I could see that like lasting until I the movie see that. comes out. Yeah, but yeah. for Universal Pictures, I mean, Universal Pictures releases other movies, you know. So I, nothing I don't else think matters. Gonna, no, I don't not, think they're going to have if, a live. Not if Nolan has anything to say about it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite comments for that TikTok I made were like, "Can't believe they let Lo- Nolan detonate an actual bomb for this one." <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, anyway, that was uh, kind of cool, and it's you know, Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan movies play with time. Uh, like virtually every single one of them has played with time and has been in some way non-linear and uh it's interesting like i'm curious because this subject matter seems like it is probably the most straightforward it could possibly mm-hmm. be but i have a feeling he's gonna find some way to play with time in this one right and uh and this trailer that's counting down to the release of the movie in real time certainly indicates that that might be the case maybe it'll um, be a real-time movie just like all all, all at the same time hmm. yeah um, we'll see but I, anyway, a huge roller coaster of emotions there is what I'm trying to say. Also, a right? good teaser. Like, that is a teaser. Oh, that is. Te- the, yeah. the, it's just explosions and hats. Yes, that's yes. All you, we get. you cannot. <laughs> yeah. No no plot details are yes. like ruined in this movie. A true in my, teaser. In this, tra- in this teaser, in my opinion. That's fine. Um, so, I, if, if, you know, I know you like to avoid trailers, but hey, uh, go to the Universal Pictures YouTube channel. Experience <laughs> the real time countdown. It's like a cool thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you can, can tell say, your like, kids about there. it one day. I yeah. was there when the thing was counting down <laughs> to the release of the movie. You know, that's a fun I do, thing. I do have to say, um, I love, is it only Nolan who has the syncope? Is that his production company in front of the. Uh, I think of so. Yeah. Things? That's so, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you see that, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's going down. Shit's about to get real when you see <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but that, that we, it's also threw me off because. Uh, again, I was watching the Nope movie. Like I was about to watch Nope. You see that Nicole Kidman. When Nicole Kidman is done, that is when the movie begins. Right. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That Dude. is when the movie is starting. Somebody and needs so, to. Somebody needs to do a trailer that is the Nicole Kidman thing. You know, they just they just completely subvert that in a, <laughs> mm-hmm, in a smart, mm-hmm. interesting way. That'd be really cool. 
I'm but, sure like the next Deadpool or something will do that. Yeah, right. Deadpool yeah, would be yeah, perfect yeah. for that. Yeah. So great. So so then the Nicole Kidman thing fades out or whatever, cuts to black or whatever, and then the syncope logo comes up. I'm like, holy shit, was yeah. Christopher Strap Nolan in. involved in was Christopher <laughs> Nolan involved in Nope? <laughs> my first reaction. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, that does, I don't remember reading about that, and I mm-hmm, generally mm-hmm. pay close attention to this stuff. Um, but did you anyway. guys hear that uh, the teaser was going to be dropping at some point? No. Like, I knew this movie was in the works, so this is a good like shadow drop. Basically, well, what was yeah. cool was the the uh, poster for Oppenheimer dropped mm-hmm. earlier that day. Mm-hmm. So I saw the poster in my inbox, and oh, then it's man. like I go to the movie, and I was complete like I was stunned on multiple levels, Devendra, because first of all, wasn't seeing like didn't know that a trailer existed. Yeah. He's Secondly, accepting you gonna be in real time. Nope. Yeah, um, and you know it's cool. It's cool to be one of the first people to ever see a teaser trailer. You know, like mm-hmm. I and even if you went to a press screening, you probably didn't see the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I was head faked into thinking it was real time, and then felt like a real <laughs> dum dum afterwards. So <laughs> a real TikTok. real real. But then they I saw the sense... real thing on Universal Pictures YouTube channel, and now I'm really excited. TikTok's again. back up, baby. <laughs> All the theaters need to do is stream the YouTube streams. I guess like that that'll that'll get them in real time. Yeah. Mm, yeah <laughs> yeah they they don't have that technology yet for some reason i don't know why anyway i've seen these theaters running windows they can do it <laughs> they do run windows they yeah. do run windows if you've ever seen windows one of the digital projectors i've seen windows 2000 on the projector oh yeah, you know? yeah. If you see the digital projector crash you're like oh god Active really desktop baby it's oh, so man. sad <laughs> uh, i have a uh, a quick nope screening anecdote as well hit us okay so as I mentioned, uh, I, I went to a press screening, but it was it was uh, actually uh, as often as the case. You'll be invited to a press screening that's also a promotional radio station screening. So there'll be you know seats reserved for press, and then to fill out the rest of the screening, they'll invite they'll have some giveaway on a local radio station, and usually the the you know morning dj whatever the morning the zoo crew will be at the front of the stage and be like i just want to welcome everybody from uh, i'm uh, bozo from 104.3 <laughs> the clutch you know whatever it is uh, <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh when you get in your car pop the clutch um <laughs> anyway uh all is that, of that a real thing, or did you just come up with that off the top of your head? I just that was this is my dumb. Yeah, I mean, mind. might as well oh, be. Might as well be real. Nice. You know, it's yeah. real somewhere. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, Jeff. <laughs> um, none of that has anything to do with the story. The point I was trying to make <laughs> is that it was a radio station screening, so there was a lot of people who were not pressed there. So, nope, the movie happens, uh, and then the the lights come come up at the end as the credits are rolling, and uh, this lady, I don't know, two or three rows behind me, st- stands up as everybody's kind of getting up and, and leaving, and says way too loud well at least i didn't pay for it (laughs) (laughs) and jordan peele just walks away crying nope very polarizing very polarizing movie very polarizing movie (laughs) anyway all right Mm -hmm. well those are a few film news items uh to get us started off today hey i gotta jump in here and tell you about our sponsor quip you know you don't want to mess around with your oral hygiene it's just not worth it Get into a good habit, a good routine. I have found the best way to do that is to have great tools that make me not have to think about it. And that's what Quip is in my life. Honestly, good health starts with good habits. And truly, Quip has made it so much easier for me by delivering these oral care essentials that care for my mouth, that make me actually spend the time I wouldn't Normally, caring for my mouth. What is the Quip electric toothbrush? Well, 
I'll tell you, my family has four of them. Everybody in our household uses Equip. We love it. And it is loved by over 7 million other mouths because it's got timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses. So you're able to know exactly how long you've been brushing, which leads you to that dentist-recommended two-minute clean. It'll turn itself off after two minutes. I don't have to think about it. I know the brush is going to go. It's going to pulse after every 30 seconds. I can brush for the dentist recommended two minutes without even having to worry about it. And it's cool. It's got a lightweight, sleek design. It's got adult and kid versions with no wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. It comes with a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount. I love it. I have them on my mirror in my, uh, in my bathroom. Less clutter on the counter. It's really, really elegant. Looks nice. It's not something I have to hide when guests come over or anything like that. And the reusable handles come in a range of sleek metal hues. They are stylish. They're cool, including the best-selling All Black. That's the one I use. Uh, my wife has the All Pink. She ordered it herself. She loves it. And they got bright plastic colors that are also sure to make a pop to your bathroom counter or the, the mirror mount if you so choose. And on top of your brushing, Quip will help you upgrade into everything you need for a complete routine, including anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon that helps prevent cavities, and floss string that expands to clean, reusable floss picks that replace over 180 disposable picks with every refill. They have refillable gum that's sugar-free, has a long-lasting mint flavor, comes with a dispenser, everything you need for great habits, great oral hygiene. You don't have to worry about it anymore. All you gotta do is go to getquip.com slash filmcast. Right now, you'll get your first refill for free because you listen to this podcast. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. All right, let's get to what we've been watching. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with what you've been watching today. Well, uh, I went to the movies and saw the new B.J. Novak film, Vengeance. Yeah. Which uh, we were considering making a main review. Mm-hmm. We, yes. We decided not to. We it would decided have been to go too with meta, Man. I, I think, if we ended up doing that, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have become a real B.J. Novak head. Uh, I, I, I like this guy. I like this guy. A lot. I think his writing, he's, he's such a creative dude. I mean, he's written like children's books and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, he's done stand-up specials, I think, pretty sure. And uh, uh, I really enjoyed his series. I know I think I may have been the only one. I recommended it to literally everybody I know. And so many people wrote back and were like, did you, are you, are you okay? Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, I love, I love his, his writing and I, he writes the way the, I the, wish. The series, by the way, is the premise. I don't know if you said it, but yeah, the, right. pre- the premise on Hulu, FYI. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think it's genius. I, uh, I enjoyed two episodes of the premise. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, each episode, it's an anthology. So yeah. Each mm-hmm, episode is mm-hmm. completely different from the next. It's kind of like the Black Mirror. It's an anthology. Yeah, so yeah. that makes sense to say I only enjoyed two. Or yes. Whatever. Yes. Um, <laughs> so like there's the, a new movie out. It's called Vengeance. Yes. He wrote and directed it. I think it's probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. It's certainly one of Whoa. my favorite movies of the year now. Whoa. Um, 
I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The premise of vengeance, I mean, it, it is about America right now. Um, it, it, it really is extraordinary. It has so much to say. It, it's full of incredible performances. I think the writing is whip smart and very funny. Um, it's so, it's so good. You guys, it, there are a couple of bits that are clunky. I, I could, I was sitting there thinking of you two and going, Oh, these guys probably the wouldn't premise like this of part. this movie, which I have heard, uh, is, is an immediate eye roll. I will give you that, <laughs> but I, I do want to give it a chance at some point. Well, okay. Uh, I don't know why you would eye roll, but it, the idea is uh, podcast is, guy goes to Middle America to figure out this country a little bit. Like I, uh, yeah, I've seen the trailer, but yeah, go. What did you think? Well, that's I'm more not, interested in that's not think. accurate. I mean, he yeah. this this uh, this kind of uh, self absorbed East Coast elite, you know, New York uh, young New York guy who's like in hookup mm-hmm. culture uh, finds out that. He, uh, by the way, spoilers for the premise. Um, finds out that his uh, this girl that he hooked up with uh, was uh, died, and uh, the family uh, thinks that they were much closer than they thinks that he was her boyfriend, and they invite him to the funeral, and he sort of can't find the courage to say no, so he goes mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. and while he's there, he's a writer for the New Yorker, and he's you know, you know, he while he's there, he calls his friend who's played by Issa Rae, who is a podcaster and says, Hey, I have this amazing story. Like she was murdered. Do you think that's a podcast? And she's like, yeah, well, you know, do it. And so he starts doing it. So it's, it's not quite what you said. Um, it's, I think it's a little less eye rolly perhaps, but, um, it's, it's the same, it's the same basic premise, but yeah, the idea is, uh, you know, these two Americas that exist right now, um, existing at the same time, like the, this, this, Fish out of water, this, this guy who's in East Texas, he goes to East Texas, and, or excuse me, West Texas. I, I have lived in East Texas, uh, which is why I related to it, perhaps. Um, I you know, did Texas Shakespeare Festival and lived in East Texas for quite a while. And so a lot of what happens in this movie, like there's an entire sequence about going to Whataburger. And oh my goodness, do I remember going to Whataburger? Uh, it, it's quite funny. And it very much uh, <laughs> speaks to the truth that I uh, witnessed. Um, but it very much is this, uh, these two Americas that, um, hate each other right now and don't know how to exist with each other, sort of, uh, coming, you know, butting up against one another. And it is, I think it's really, uh, really well-made. I think it is incredible. It it is, uh, I, I'm sure you two will find moments of it clunky and, um, and a little on the nose perhaps, but, um, I thought overall it managed to tell this really cool story, have a lot of really insightful things to say, made me laugh a lot. I, I thought it was a complete home run. Ashton Kutcher is in this movie and he is giving a tour de force performance. It just amazing performance. So subdued, so restrained, really interesting character. Uh, it's this movie. I, I, I really think very, very highly of, I, I, I liked uh, vengeance quite a lot. All right, cool. And that is out in limited release right now in theaters. Uh, Jeff, you and I had a chance to check out the season finale of one of the best shows of the year, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. 100%. Uh, And that is a show that also happens to have one of the most terrible titles of any show this year, uh, right next to The Bear, and also is on a streaming network that not that many people have. But nonetheless... Players is a show that wrapped up its first season 
this week. We both had a chance to watch the season finale. What do you think, Jeff? I thought it was brilliant. Uh, yes. I mean, I thought the, I think the show is brilliant start to finish. Um, it, it ended in a. I mean, I, I had I cried in yes. the last episode. Same. Um, same. Uh, it is, but it also sort of ended in a way that I didn't expect. Same. Same. Um, yeah. Really poignant. Had something really, I think, powerful to say about. I mean, <laughs> greatness. 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 Yeah. Uh, I had an acting teacher who once who used to call it divine dissatisfaction. Uh, this, this, this sense of uh, pushing, pushing oneself or being uh, never satisfied no matter what. Um, and it, you know, it, I, this, I, I don't understand how the show is this good. It's yeah. so good. And, and it's about esports, you guys. <laughs> it's about esports, <laughs> it's about League of Legends. It should not be one of the best shows of the year. Uh, but but there we go. It, I, I mean, I think you agree with me, right? It's incredible. 100%. My wife is obsessed with this show, which I didn't, not something I would, ever would have foreseen. But, you know, I put it on, I put on the first episode. The first episode is very goofy, kind of very silly. You think this is going to be a parody of like an esports documentary. I don't think it is like by the end, it's not even there's there's I mean, moments it, of humor. It is, it's a very funny show, but every episode has laugh out loud moments. That yes, are very but it is and, not. But, yeah, it is not a mockumentary. I mean, it, it's no. technically a mockumentary in the sense that it's a fake documentary, but it is not mocking these subjects. It's not a satire. Yes, yeah, correct. It, it, it there. It's like by the end, uh, it, it feels to me more of a drama than a comedy. To be honest with you, um, and. I, I love the finale. I was, I think, in awe of the finale. I yeah. thought the finale was like unbelievable. Holy shit! They 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 made all these choices that I could not have predicted coming, and so they and, are and, choices that make the journey more satisfying and more mm -hmm. interesting, um, and that make you think more than like. You know, because I, I thought it's like heading to a certain ending, right? I was like, oh, it's going to end this way. And then it didn't end that way. And it's like, whoa, like, yeah, what a way to subvert expectations. And uh, yeah, uh, so it's incredible. I think I think Misha Brooks, who plays yes. Cream Cheese, should get an Emmy. Amazing. Amazing. It's 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 an off the charts good performance. It's just. I, I mean, the, the guy is <laughs> completely believable as a documentary figure like that, that that alone is very difficult to pull off that you you don't see the acting he, he's completely natural and you believe that you're just sort of capturing these these candid moments that alone is amazing but his ability to sort of deftly navigate this very very funny uh caricature or not it's not even caricature but like very funny comedic turns you know ridiculous moments and these in incredibly deep heartfelt beautiful emotional moments it's I, he deserves an emmy i'd straight yeah. up it's it's that good and you're right dude it, it it the ending is so excellent yes it has i mean it, it's a sports show right sports movie tropes basically and it has the soaring sort of uh, triumphant feeling you get from like the natural or hoosiers or, mm -hmm. or rudy or any of those great sports movies but it also does more than that it like it 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 also subverts all those expectations. It's it's amazing, amazing. Yeah, 
I would unreservedly recommend the show to anyone. Honestly, yeah. Um, even if you have no idea what League of Legends is, if you're not even into gaming, I still think it's a great show worth checking out. So, I mean, I would say if you enjoy sports documentaries, that's probably you're more likely to enjoy. It. Like if you enjoyed The Last Dance, I think yeah. you would like this. You know, I think it's a direct yeah. parody is the wrong word, but direct uh, reference to the yes. last homage. Dance. Yeah, to yeah. The last Dance. Yeah. But anyway, that is Players, which just wrapped up its first season on Paramount Plus. Uh, I am really fearful that there's not going to be a season two, Jeff. But I, I will say it sets up for a season two. It sets up hmm. for a season. I'll say if there's no season two, I'll be very I'm I'm satisfied with the story we got. Like I, I agree, I, that is a I complete agree. story. I agree. Uh, it's not unsatisfying in any way. I hope there's a season two. But Jeff, here's the thing. As far as I can tell, you and I are the only people on the internet talking about this show. <laughs> well, we talked about it on DLC as well. Uh, Danish Sayed yeah. and Lana Bashinsky both absolutely adore the show. Yeah. I think I, I'm hoping this show gets word of mouth. I keep telling people this is worth getting a Paramount Plus subscription just for the show. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. for the show. Like get a Paramount Plus subscription, binge the show. They're half hour episodes, only 10 of them. It's worth it. It's worth it. All right. Well, that's players on Paramount Plus. Jeff and I both loved it. All right, I want to talk about a couple quick things. Um, first of all, I had a chance to watch Ty West's movie X this week. X. Um, actually, had uh, we were considering making this a main review at some point, but uh, never worked out. This is a horror film that came out earlier this year. I really like this movie. Um, it's it's basically yeah. a, a slasher movie. Uh, it takes place in 1979, uh, and it's kind of filmed with an old-school filmic look. Uh, that that kind of style. What's great about this movie is, first of all, it's incredibly gory and bloody, and there's some really awesome kills. Um, shocking, awesome graphic kills. So if you want to watch a slasher film for that, you're going to get that with Ty West's movie X. But beyond that, uh, I the cast is so good in this mm -hmm, movie. Mm -hmm. You got Mia Goth, who plays uh, the main girl who's in a lot of the posters, and Jenna Ortega, who most people probably knew from her performance in the newest Scream movie. She's awesome in that movie. And you get to see her in X as well. Um, but everyone in the cast is sure. Uniformly great. Divinity, Martin you saw Henderson. X's. They they found Martin yes. Henderson again. Martin Henderson is good in this. The, the star of Torque, Martin Henderson, <laughs> is good in this movie. So everyone is uniformly great, uh, firing on all cylinders in this movie. And it's a great slow burn slasher film that mm -hmm. you know you'd expect from Ty West. What did you think of the movie, Divinity? You you caught this movie relatively recently. I caught it right? too. Um, I am not a big fan of Ty West stuff. Like I know people really yeah. were like. Uh, drooling over House of the Devil. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. you saw this movie, honestly, because no, I know heard, you were heard, really not hot on it when we were I've heard good discussing. things. I think he, early on, was a little overrated just because people were like, House of the Devil looks like a 70s movie, guys, and it's really a slow burn. You get to the end, it's it's crazy at the end. And it was fine. I, I think it had a good Tom Newton performance. The Innkeepers was a movie that just completely baffled me that people liked because it was... It was just like not scary. It was not really interesting or anything. I think this. Well, I'm is glad a you really gave this a shot, Devendra. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I think you this gave is a good. shot. Yeah, but yeah, because anyway, uh, maybe he's matured as a filmmaker or as a storyteller. But you know, this is a, it's about a group of uh, young folks uh, who go to make an adult movie on a on a farm in Texas, and it's very much like a Texas Chainsawy. Just yes. in terms of like having people, it's like a there. horny Texas Chainsaw mm -hmm. Massacre. Very basically. horny, yeah. also like very sweet at times. Like I like the relationship. 
uh, between these characters. Um, Texas Chainsaw Masturbator? Is that what it is? Sure. Wow. The Masturbator. Jeff, you're fired, Jeff. You're fired. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, it's uh, it's good. Like, it's, it's really interesting. I think all the characters are interesting. What people are doing is good. The actual villains of this are just freaky and weird. Um, but also, I kind of felt for them, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was funny is that I saw this, and then immediately after X premiered, they announced a prequel movie, which was yeah. shot at the same time. So there's a trailer for that out, too. Mm. I won't say much about that. But, w? Uh, it's called Pearl. <laughs> It's about a character in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it's like a prequel but, thing. But yeah. also, like, uh, really efficient use of uh, budget because... Sure. So without without giving anything away too much, I'll just say that um, for the Pearl movie, they're able to reuse a lot of the resources that they use mm-hmm. to make this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's pretty pretty clever. Pretty clever how they're able to sneak the prequel movie into there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so it's definitely um, worth watching, uh, especially if, like... Um, Ty West just never felt like your flavor. I think this one's really good. This is probably his most accessible movie. Is my mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would surmise. Like a- anyone who enjoys slasher movies can get a lot out of X, uh, which is available right now for uh, purchase on video on demand. And yeah, I, I had a great time with it. Love the cast. Um, Mia Goth is great. Like when honestly, whenever Mia Goth shows up in something, I kind of take extra notice because I think great. she always adds something to her movies. Yeah, she's she's awesome in this movie, and uh, she. <laughs> I, let's just say there was a. I was surprised when I read the IMDb of the movie because uh-huh, I didn't uh-huh. I didn't know about what Mia Goth does in this movie. And I'll just sure. leave it at that. Um, but yeah, she's great. Um, uh, and Jenna Ortega is great, and and there's just a handful of like really shocking moments. I, I like, I I literally screamed out loud mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. this movie by myself in my house uh, while while watching X, and so had a great time with it. Other thing I wanted to mention is um, my uh, my wife's had a few days where uh, she her, her health has not been great, and so she's kind of been. Uh, at home streaming stuff, like watching stuff on the streams. And mm-hmm. one of the things, you know, you know, something that she likes doing is like exploring cinematic and television universes. You know, she'll mm-hmm. get really into like Game of Thrones or she'll get I really, really into I really like, wonder if you had anything to do with this one, but yeah, go I ahead. didn't. I did. Dude, trust me. It was all <laughs> on her own, but she really recently got into the Jack Ryan universe. So watch. Yeah. She's she's loving Ultimate Jack dad Ryan. movie franchise. Yeah. Loving Jack Ryan on Prime Video. Um, and we started going back and rewatching a, bu- a couple a bunch of the movies, uh, actually. And so uh, I specifically had a chance to check out The Sum of All Fears and Clear and Present Danger recently. Have you guys watched those movies? Oh, yeah. Um, I read the books, too. Long time. Oh, nice. Talk about, talk about yeah. dad. That's in the I don't know. Uh huh. In high school. The dad. So my dad and I. Uh, one of the ways that we bonded was we both read tom clancy books that's nice, nice. that's yeah. nice yeah uh, the the jack ryan movie like jack ryan is a character i feel so torn about um <laughs> because yeah here's what's great about jack ryan okay uh-huh. fundamentally the message of jack ryan um when you look when you take all of these take all the, the tv show the movies whatever you take all in its totality the the message of Jack Ryan is there is value in understanding mm-hmm. uh, other people, other countries yeah. deeply. Like it's about intelligence. It's yeah, it's about intelligence. Porn. It's yeah. competence. Yeah, it's competence. It's like it's like hey, everyone else wants to nuke the shit out of blank country, but what if this one uh, man about, yeah. says no? Yeah, what if you're wrong about that? What if they don't actually want to nuke you back? You know, like what if? 
And Jack Ryan is like, let's pause before we press the button and try to I understand. I can't believe somebody told the president, pause. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what happens in one yeah, of the movies. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I remember. But, <laughs> but, um, but the pro- – okay, so that's great. I love that as an idea. And obviously, as Americans, I think like – uh, having a message of like, you need to understand other countries and other people better. That's, that's a great message to have. Okay. Mm-hmm. The pro the problem is twofold. Number one, uh, because they're kind of these spy movies, I feel like every single one of these movies has felt the need to inject some kind of action into it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's like very, very awkward, right? Like, especially in the sum of all fears with Ben Affleck, there's a scene where, um, there is, uh, I'll just say, an explosion that happens at some point in that movie, and he's like running around with a cell phone, trying to like, you know, call a certain person in this explosion, and it just looks ludicrous. Like yeah. it just I mean, that looks, looks ridiculous. The fundamental flaw of this character because he's supposed to be a desk jockey. Like that is yeah. the yeah. way it's supposed to be. He's an analyst, and yet in the first episode of the new show, like he's up there, like I got guns, I got Wendell Pierce <laughs> with guns. Let's go gun. Well, he's field trained. He's field trained. Of course. Yeah. They make that. Well, that's, of but, course. Of course. Yeah. That, that's a departure from the books. Cause in the books, there's this character called Ding Chavez, who is mm-hmm. the mm. not desk chalky version. He's right. the badass Navy seal. Yeah. Special ops rainbow six guy. Yeah. 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 I remember uh, playing as Ding Chavez in rainbow six on PC. Yeah. I think it was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Huh. So, um, but, but I think in order for these movies to get greenlit, they had to put a bunch of action to the movies, right? Um, it's not going to have a really fun movie that people want to see if there's not a bunch of killings and explosions. Which brings me to Except my final for point. Hunt for Red October pulled it off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that movie's awesome. That, yeah. I, I would argue that that is the, the best Jack Ryan. Perfect well, movie. It's the most authentic to the books, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie, period. It's also the best Jack Ryan movie. Um Although I would say the Harrison Ford ones come closest to kind of the ethos of mm. of the books. Um, and there is an amazing line that Harrison Ford has at the end of Clear and Present Danger. Do you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? you guys see no, Clear and Present Danger? Get the hell off my plane. Get off my plane. I'll get into that in a second. But the, the other thing I just wanted to say about this is the problem with these movies is that because – he is not the most skilled secret agent and so on. And because there needs to be a lot of action scenes, what ends up happening is Jack Ryan ends up around, like everyone around Jack Ryan ends up dying. Like <laughs> in virtually every single one of the Jessica Fletcher problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't hang out with Jessica Fletcher yes. for the love of God. Pretty much, pretty much like so many movies and episodes of Jack Ryan. It's like Jack Ryan emerges completely unscathed. Literally everyone he loves, like anyone who's sitting in a vehicle next to him yeah. is killed. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, wow, that that's a thing where if yeah. um, it's like the Scream movies. Remember, um, we did a rewatch of Scream recently on the After Dark and uh, Putty says to David Arquette, like, your resume reads like a obituary. You know, like <laughs> all the people you've been around have, have died horribly. That's basically yeah. Jack Ryan in the Jack Ryan movies. Jack Ryan doesn't have friends. He has collateral damage. Basically. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, there's a scene at the end of 1994's Clear and Present Danger. Um, so very mild spoiler for that movie. But but they gave away the ending of the movie in the trailer for that mm-hmm, movie, I very mm-hmm. distinctly recall. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're, we're basically like, in the movie Clear and Present Danger, spoilers for Clear and Present Danger, Jack Ryan exposes something terrible that the president did, right? 
Um, and then he confronts the president at the very end of the movie. Um, and then he's like, you know, you did a terrible thing. And the president says, oh, you're not going to do it. You're not going to go public with this. You know, you're going to you're going to bank this as a favor. He says, quote, um, uh, you know, the old Potomac two step, Jack, like that's what he's going to do. Like the, the old <laughs> dance, you know, you have this terrible, terrible blackmail information on me and you're going to do the old Potomac two step because we're going to, we're going to dance. You're going to ask for something from me and I'm going to give it to you and everyone's going to benefit. And then Harrison Ford says, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I don't dance. <laughs> yeah. Cause men like, don't real men don't dance. Dave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got two left feet. This guy. It's a pretty. I, if you're I a to serious say, man, you don't <laughs> fucking dance. I mean, I have to say, I think you know, outdated gender norms aside, uh, it's a pretty badass line, especially because that's that's typically a line that you would like Sylvester Stallone would say or Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> would say after an action scene, but it's something that Harrison Ford says after confronting the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. So I it's like no, that. it's like no. I didn't kill my wife. Benefits. I don't care. It's no get yeah. off my plane. Yeah. Really? You, know? you don't think I feel like there's no. a better response to that line, you know? I don't like, dance. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. President. I don't dance. Okay, I guess I guess you guys didn't think it was as cool as I did. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I yeah. liked it. I liked it. Anyway. Yeah, the best I mean, it's no I love you, I know. There's like a half a dozen better Harrison Ford lines than that, you know? Wow. Okay. I see how it is, guys. Anyway, uh, I, I would actually say Clear and President Day, you're my second favorite. Um that's pretty uh, fun, Jack yeah. Ryan movie. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, just want to—I actually have had this in the show notes for weeks. We just haven't <laughs> had time for it, but finally got to it this week. Um, Jack Ryan, cool idea for a character uh, execution, uh, mixed sometimes. Well, no, here's, just, here's my question, Dave. Yeah. Ha- has uh, you and your wife's, uh, I- you know, uh, exploration of the Jack Ryan universe uh, extended to the TV series? Are we in? Yeah, yeah. She's mm-hmm. she's a big fan of the Prime Video TV series. And you I have to skip the Chris Pine movie. Yeah. yeah, it's the fun. Chris, Chris Pine movie's horrible. Chris mm-hmm. Pine movie's horrible. But, um, Show's good? We uh, talked about yeah. it, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. Did. Yeah. both yeah. liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was working at Prime Video at the time that it came out, so I don't think I could have <laughs> really shared my opinion on it, but I know Devendra had a good time. and um, I liked it except for the like uh, evil, evil brown people thing, but uh, mm-hmm. otherwise, it, it, mm-hmm. it is actually pretty fun. Yeah. I think my wife is a huge fan of Wendell Pierce. Who is basically playing Bunk from the Wire? Wendell in Pierce this... with a freaking like machine gun. They do that in the first episode. I'm like, <laughs> I okay, okay, I'm on board with whatever the show is doing at this point. Jeff, did yeah. you see the Wire? Did you see the Wire? Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So you know Bunk from the Wire, yeah, of right? Like, yeah. So he's basically playing Bunk <laughs> yeah. in this movie, and he he gives John Krasinski a ton of shit. You know, so if you want to see Bunk, does John Krasinski then look at directly at the camera like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> kind of, kind of. <laughs> he's anyway, a, he's actually a pretty good Jack Ryan too. I think you'd appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I may have to so check that out. Might might be a good. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, between Bosch and Jack Ryan, mm-hmm. Jeff, you got some some. I know. I, I mean, yeah. Bosch. You can't bring Bosch. that up. My in laws are literally in our house right now. Oh, uh, watch some Bosch. I, I, yeah, I mean, there's get some a lot Bosch of, legacy on there. Get Jeff. some Bosch legacy. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure to watch Bosch. All right. Well, those are the things I've been watching. We'd like to take a moment to thank the world of microdosing, specifically our sponsor, Microdose Gummies. Now, you've probably heard about the idea of microdosing as something, you know, that you could do to help with anxiety or help you get to sleep or just, you know, get a little bit of a creative boost, especially around uh, CBD and THC. 
What's great about microdose gummies is that they deliver a nice entry-level dose of THC that just helps you feel pretty good. So I've been using CBD products for a while now, and what I really like about microdose gummies is that they taste good, and uh, you know they're really easy to take, and uh, the effect is just very nice and chill. It really helps when I'm having trouble sleeping, or if I just need to you know cool down from a very hard day with two kids or something. It is a really nice way to relax. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code FILMCAST to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com and code FILMCAST. Even your hardware, what are you watching this week? Oh, a couple of things. I'll be real quick because it's basically been, I, I'm racing to catch up. I'm racing to catch up mm. on For All Mankind. Uh, we're actually, my wife and I, we are at the finale of season two. And holy shit, does this show get like, uh, it really starts to rocket towards something, you know, excuse the pun. But mm. It just keeps going. It just keeps going and going and going. The, uh, the episode right before the finale just ends on this like shot that is a big holy shit moment. So you got to keep going. Well, and, hold, hold uh, on, Je- mm-hmm. Jeff. I believe you've also watched. Yeah. Uh, For all my, are, are you caught up with season two? Where are you? I just two? finished season two. Have you not seen the what? finale episode? Yet? I have Did not you? finished. Oh. I'm in the middle of it, and I had to come oh ta- to talk with you guys. So yeah, <laughs> I believe We're cutting it to in be on Devendra's For All Mankind time. A lot of stuff is happening, guys. Okay. A lot of stuff is happening. Nuclear it, okay. things. Yeah. So I think the finale is one of the best season finales ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. it, it so the, the crazy thing about this, I talked about this when I w- binged all of season one. This show's a slow burn. And yes. it seems to be, now having watched two seasons, the third season is, is airing. Now I have not started the third season yet, but I'm excited to. But it seems to me that this, this show is structured like everything pays off in the last episode or two. <laughs> <laughs> you, you watch for yeah, yeah. nine hours and then <laughs> literally everything that has happened has led to this. Mm-hmm. Which, and what's there is very good. So yes, which is like, yeah. I'm starting to love that. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. There's, there, there, are no, um, there are no unnecessary moves. Like everything that mm-hmm. feels like we're spinning our wheels uh, is there for a reason and it pays off. And they, and they clearly have been thinking about this long-term uh, storytelling. I mean, there are there are characters from season one that, you know, between seasons is ten years. Mm-hmm. So it, it each season it moves forward ten years or nine years in this case. Um, but they plant like kids who are you know, like little kids in the first season that are, are like grown up people or you know uh, adults in the second season, and they thought about all this stuff. You know, it's very mm-hmm. much a mapped mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, plan so it, it's really cool to see all those chess pieces move into place it's very novelistic in that way yeah. and uh, you know I'm, I'm really digging it so i'm glad to be catching up in season two this is one of those shows i wish i just always had time to like keep up on like when it airs but i'm i'm ready for season three because i've heard a little bit about what's happening i know they're they're going another decade again too uh they're apparently not changing the old age makeup much so uh, everybody still looks like beautiful, even though they're supposed to be like 50 or early 60s at this point. But I don't know how long they're going to keep that going. But I'm I'm loving for all mankind season two. Um, if you guys if like we I feel like we talk about this show with some hesitation sometimes. It is a commitment, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's if it, if you like watch one episode and leave for several months and go back and watch the next episode, it's going to be really hard to like keep with it. Mm. Um, so it is it is a commitment every season. But I would say uh, it is definitely worth the journey. All right, I, I guess, I, think I, guess a, I need to get into this show, huh? Dude, it's so. awesome, Dave. It, it, it's okay. a slow burn. It's a slow, slow burn. burn. But it is 
really interesting storytelling. I think it really benefits from binging. I, mm -hmm. I've, I've binged both the seasons right now. And I think having all that stuff fresh in your mind and, and mm -hmm. going mm -hmm. through it, you know, a little quicker than you might uh, other, another show is it benefits from it because it's, it's just one big story. And it, it really is a science fiction show that focuses on the people. Like there are, I don't know of any other show that's like this where it's about big ideas. It's, it's alternate history. You know, it's like, you know, freaking John Lennon wasn't killed. You know, like that's like a side, like just a, a little anecdote in this universe is like, oh, and by the way, John Lennon wasn't shot, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do such a cool thing in season two because uh, it takes place in, in the early 80s. Um, they do such a cool thing with uh, the Challenger disaster. Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm how that didn't happen there and what that means that it didn't happen because there. They're more competent a little bit. Like ah, there's, so they have better cool. tech. Like they have so many, so many other things. It is kind of wild what they're doing. I'm going to say something you probably will hate Jeff, but uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Battlestar and like how mm -hmm. it was Ronald D. Moore's Battlestar and how like yeah. it was really say what you will about the finale in the last season. But I, I think it was really good at character building. And that is why I was so hooked on that show. So I'm just glad to see him back doing space stuff because it's good. It is. It's it's really good. There is one storyline that I don't love. <laughs> I don't think okay. you probably know what I'm talking about. I don't. I mm, there are a couple. All right. Well, there's. I, a, I think some things aren't like it's not a perfect show. Some saw, things are super clunky. But yeah. yeah. What's up? I saw Miles McNutt. Uh, so I subscribed to Miles McNutt's excellent newsletter called episodic medium where he writes about tv he's recapping for all mankind and uh he wrote an i haven't watched the show but he wrote a uh an entry called for about for all mankind's car crash of a character mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and apparently there's a character who's terrible on the show and I, my guess is that's what jeff's talking about but <laughs> i, I, I want to say but <laughs> i don't know which one because yeah. there are a couple characters who are kind yeah, of annoying there's so a mom know. who is my yeah. favorite character through season one and season two i'm like what are we when I don't know. Well, so I, ha I hated her in season one, so that's Ugh. that's why things get interesting. It's it's yeah. a good show. It's a good show. It's a, it's really a, compelling characters. It's yeah. a really really good show. It has a cool good budget. Yeah. Like the space stuff looks well done. Mm -hmm. We've spent a lot of time on the yeah. moon if, in if season two. If you and two. your wife really want to like get invested in something, Dave, like this is the thing. Like yeah. it, it is a very good big book. Well, yeah. I, I have to say that <laughs> what, what my wife wants is light watching. Light, light, like light fare, which I think actually yeah. Jack Ryan does fulfill. Really? It doesn't, it doesn't I, I not sound like this meets that. It is not that light. No. But, it depends. Uh, yeah. I, I'm willing to, uh, to marathon this, so we'll see. I also want to um, say uh, there is a, a, a scene in season two, uh, Devendra, mm -hmm. uh, with a uh, <laughs> character named Bill who, uh, who explains uh, why he peed his pants. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that I found very powerful. Uh, that is my friend Noah, who I went to college really? with. Oh yeah. man! And as he soon is as I, really good in the show, he's yeah. so good. And as soon as I saw that scene, I emailed him <laughs> and just had to tell him how impressed I was with that bit of acting. The, the just, pee your pants scene. Uh, that's incredible. Remy scene, man. Like, it's incredible. I, I, they're going to show that the Emmys. I teared <laughs> up. I teared up. I thought it was beautiful. And uh, evidently, he's uh, has even bigger stuff in season three, which that's I'm good. That's to good see, because so. I hated I. I was hating the way his character acted until yeah. they gave him a little bit of sympathy like that. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's For All Mankind. Uh, season two, three is airing right now. The other gents are mm -hmm. capture, uh, catching up on season two as we speak, and I will try to get into it. Devendra 
you, you've also been trying to catch up on Better Call Saul season yeah, six. Now, I, after your snafu with uh, the listen, AMC Plus app, they AMC has just failed me at every turn. So <laughs> I had to. I just bought this season, and yes. they they win. They win. Great. They choice. get thirty dollars from me because of their failed like uh, you mm. know uh, streaming plan, whatever. But anyway, I'm I'm really digging this season. I'm my wife and I we're basically in catch up mode. So we are we're trying to watch this as much as we can, and for all mankind. I want to be fully caught up for the end of Better Call Saul. And I will say season six is it, it starts off really strong. Like I think some seasons of the show uh, kind of suffered from the for all mankind thing too, where it, it took its time and it took a lot of time at time. So we would tend to watch the show in spurts. Like maybe we'd yeah. watch half a season here and half a season there. Uh, the beginning of season six is like very, very strong. So we are like ready to go all the way through. There have been incredible moments throughout season six of mm-hmm. Better Call Saul. I'm uh, loving the show. This last episode, very controversial. I've heard. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, um, three episodes remain. So I'm really excited. Jeff Kanata, I made a case a long time ago. I'm curious, like if that, no, if I'm, it's even. Uh, yeah, it's happening, man. I, I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be caught up in time for uh, for, for the, the finale. Finale, unfortunately, but it's because it it. Un- <laughs> In contrast to For All Mankind, it became a show my wife wanted to watch with me. So uh, that slows everything down. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah. Um, may I, may I ask where you are on the show? If if that's uh, okay. we haven't we still haven't finished season two. So it's, I see. Yeah, it's it's wow. slow going, man. My whole world away. So many things happened since then. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm very excited to watch it. I will watch it. Uh, I may have to just convince my wife that I need to like you know de- deco- decouple the. <laughs> Yeah, decouple the motorcycle from the sidecar mm-hmm. and just yeah. ride off into the sunset. Asking gotcha. for a TV show divorce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, Better Call Saul season six. Three episodes remain. Uh, it is really, really good. Yeah. And good luck I... catching up, everybody. AMC <laughs> sure makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, they they don't do a good job. Anyway, that is what we've been watching this week. All right, folks, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly Plugs is a part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, I want to plug this podcast called A Cast of Kings, uh, which is a podcast that used to be about Game of Thrones that I covered with John Robinson. That is no longer happening anymore. John Robinson's podcasting for The Ringer, and Game of Thrones is no longer on. But there is a new show in the Game of Thrones universe called House of the Dragon that's going to be out mm-hmm. on August 21st. And my new co-host, Kim Renfro, and I are already doing a lot of coverage of uh, all the stuff that's leading up to it, what you need to know to understand what's going on in this show. Kim recently attended the season premiere party of House of the Dragon, and uh, we recorded an episode where she talked about what the vibe was like at that party um, and some of the things that she learned there. Check it out at acastofkings.com. That's my weekly plug. Devinder Hardwar, your weekly plug. Oh, I want to shout out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, this week, we explored the legality and ethics of uh, those AI art things you've been hearing about, mm-hmm. like Dolly mm-hmm. and uh, what's the other one? There, there are a couple. Um, but yeah, we had some good guests on. My colleague, Dan Cooper, did a whole feature about that specific topic. He talked to lawyers and people like in the industry. And it is it's interesting because, you know, we look at these images and we think they look incredible, but 
these things, these machines, these AIs are trained on existing images. And in many cases, it's trained on, you know, work that's, you know, owned by other photographers. And what does that lead their final creations to, you know, if it's looking like somebody else's work? Um, Does Google or not Google, but, you know, do these companies owe anybody uh, for these things? So uh, I think we had a really good chat and it's worth checking out. All right. Uh, Check that out at the Gadget and Gadget podcast. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. If you're in the market for a limerick, well, I can refer you to maybe the only place you can go right now and get a tailor-made, custom, personalized limerick. It's cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. That's right. Yours truly, crafting limericks for listeners just like you. Uh, over 100 five-star reviews. Check it out uh, on my Cameo page, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I put a lot of care love, heart, effort into them, and uh, people really dig it. So uh, yeah. whatever the occasion, uh, send it, uh, send, tell people you care with a <laughs> limerick. Cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. I, I got one more thing to add real quick, actually, because uh, on the Engadget podcast, uh, we have a listener who who guested with us, John Lapore, who used to work at Perception New York City. That was the, uh, the VFX company that creates like all the openings for Marvel stuff. And like the, the opening, like Marvel Crawl and everything. I've talked oh. about that before. So he has a good background uh, in in AI art as well. So he joined our chat. I think I think it was like a really good conversation. So thank you, John, for joining us, and thanks for listening to the to this show too. The, so listen, the Marvel the opening was made with the AI. Is that what you just said? Uh, <laughs> it's made with by a BFX company, and basically <laughs> all the most of the credits from all the Marvel movies and TVs, like the the computer stuff from Winter Soldier, the like eighties looking computer interfaces. They they've created all sorts of cool. That's stuff. That's cool. Yeah. All right, a couple weekly plugs for the podcast itself. If you want to support the show, you enjoy our conversation. Very easy to do that by going to patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. This month, we'll be covering Resurrection. We'll be covering The Rehearsal, the new Nathan Fielder show that's on HBO, and a few other things on there. Um, so check that out at patreon.com slash film podcast. We never want you to support this podcast if it is in any way a financial imposition on you. But it's very easy to support us for free by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast. Leave a star rating for us or a review. If you enjoy the podcast, it's literally, not literally, but pretty close to literally the least you could do is leave a star rating. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know for a fact there's literally tens of thousands of people listening to this right now (laughs) that have not left a star rating. What what are y'all doing? What are you doing? What are you, you're, you're listening, you're listening to this right now. Me, you're listening to me speak. You know, you haven't left a star rating. You know, you haven't left one. And, you know, it would just take you uh, like 10 seconds to do that, um, improve the show, make sure it can keep going. Please do so. Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, it would really help us out. Um, and it's free. just takes a few seconds of your time. Okay. Uh, let us get to our review of The Gray Man. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery man you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else? The gray man. Lloyd. I got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. That was from the trailer for The Gray Man, the newest film from the Russo brothers. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. When the CIA's most skilled operative whose true identity is known to none, 
accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. End quote. I gotta say that the Russo brothers, I don't think have done a great job of uh, in, in the PR campaign. It hasn't, uh-huh, hasn't exactly uh-huh. been the smoothest PR, PR campaign. You know what I'm saying? Um, for one thing, they, they said that the idea that uh, going to a movie theater is sacred is bullshit, even though press were required to go to theaters to watch this movie at a screening. Um, so that, that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And uh, they also talked about, like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, they, they were actually producers, executive producers on Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Um, and in the um, in, an, in an interview, they talked about how, you know, they're, they're trying to do the old, the old one for us, one for them uh, philosophy, where, hey, we, we make movies that are soulless and corporate and like corporate creations like the gray man so that we can do interesting stuff like everything everywhere all at once. Uh Um, which doesn't bode well for people who are really interested in in the gray man. I'm just going to put that out. I mean, at least they're being honest, you know, (laughs) like I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) So given that, um, I think you're hard or, uh, but by the way, business focused content is what it was called. Business Focused content. Um, the BFC. Yeah, they're not making movies anymore. So here, here's, here's the full quote. Here's the full quote from Joe Russo. The miracle of everything everywhere all at once is they spent five years working on that film and it's highly inventive, a highly personal expression, and really interesting use of the two-hour narrative format. But fuck, there's not a lot of those left. It's not easy kind of film to make. We make movies like The Gray Man so that we can help the Daniels make everything everywhere all at once. The way that Soderbergh <laughs> made Ocean's Eleven so he could help us make Welcome to Collinwood. You can use business-focused content to support more personal projects. The old BFC. As, you know, uh, as you put it, yeah. you know how if you want yeah. you want a, a fine dining experience uh, <laughs> and, and you want to uh-huh. savor every bite, mm-hmm. you really mm-hmm. need to go take a massive shit before you go eat. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually uh-huh. know that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I just, I, I just brought that up for no reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> just completely unrelated to mm-hmm. this, right? Completely unrelated. Um, I also want to point out uh, one other thing I wanted to call before we get into our review, which is that this is the most expensive Netflix movie ever made. Uh, one thing I, I want to point out about that is uh, a typical movie of this kind um, pays what are called residuals or points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where an actor who is in the movie or producers who are, who are involved in making the movie, they get money based off of how much the movie makes, right? Um, I think Tom Cruise made a hundred million dollars because of Top Gun Maverick. Um, so that's generally based on how well the movie, ma- how much money the movie makes. Now, in the case of The Gray Man, that movie is not going to be released in theaters, so it's not going to make any money in theaters. Um, so typically, uh, the stars are paid more for mm-hmm. a Netflix film because that's going to account for the lack of back end. Yeah. And hence um, this budget, hence $200 hence this budget. million. So in fact, yeah. um, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans were each paid $20 million for this movie. So wow. $40 million of the $200 million budget went just to them. Um, so, uh, and, and you know, you can imagine the other actors in this movie, of which there are many talented ones, um, were also able to negotiate strongly. Uh, and that might account for why the movie doesn't look like it costs $200 million. So, 
I mean, all, all those drone shots really <laughs> must have been expensive. All that said, all all that lead up said, Devendra Hardware. I'm curious. Um, as business focused content goes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. what did you think of the Gray Man? Uh, I did not think this was very good business focused content. Um, <laughs> let me tell you guys, this movie should be catnip to me. You know, just mm-hmm. spy stuff, globe trotting. Uh, you know, just, just it, cool it's like action a, sequences, like uh-huh. uh, um, elements of uh, Born Identity, which is your uh-huh. huge fan of John Wick. You know, John um, Wick, Mission Impossible, yes, James yes. Bond. Mix all everything. of that in a blender, and uh-huh. you get something like the plot of the Gray Man. I guess? Question mark. Mix all that in the blender, and you get a gray <laughs> liquid that d- does not taste a gruel like a gruel. Like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I would say a movie with this cast, this concept, uh, just. It shouldn't be so dull. I really can only think of a few scenes in this movie where it felt truly alive, like where the Russos were doing something interesting and it was showing me like maybe inventive action. Um, I, I think that's it. Like my wife started watching this movie with me at the beginning and we both just kind of looked at each other and be like, we were like, why? Why is this so boring? There's so much stuff happening on the screen, but I don't, I don't care about any of it. And uh, it's like a terrible script where nobody sounds like a human and they sound like they're trying to do like a spy talk, you know, like Mm -hmm. quick spy talk with like code, not code words, but like short words for things. And then when it's just people having conversations, it's just like people asking each other questions, like back and forth, back and forth. Like they're trying to attempt for like pitter patter, um, like a nice back and forth dialogue and they just fail at it. So I don't care about what people are saying. Um, there are some major action sequences in this movie, and I really wish I could see some of them. Like most of the hand-to-hand fight sequences are just obscured um, completely for no reason. The first one is uh, covered in fireworks. There's one that's covered in like a plane exploding, and there's like a dude is just smoke, there's a smoke there's grenade. A, he's just a smoke grenade and a fire extinguisher. I think that was blown <laughs> around or something like just smoke everywhere. Uh, there's one that's at night and everybody's in water and I can't see anything. I don't. That's a choice. That is a choice just to like make us not see these things. So I thought that was a uh, really weird. Um, the way this movie just kind of lifts entire concepts, like from much, much better movies. That was something I was thinking after my wife tapped out, like she was just falling asleep. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I could just kind of sit there and scene by scene, like look at better movies that had done these exact scenes. And it just made me feel really sad for like, this feels like this is the Netflix formula, right? Like this is a movie made by algorithm starring pretty people we all like and who are like all like hot right now, like uh, you know, Gosling and uh, uh, that Chris, uh, Chris Evans. Um, like it, it should work better. It has people we all like and it just doesn't it just feels lifeless and weird. Um, I think there's a lot of tonal inconsistencies. Like I think Chris Evans is in a movie that seems like a lot of fun. I wish maybe everybody else was mm-hmm. in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this should have been more like Man from Uncle rather than whatever the hell they were doing. And anyway, uh, so much of this movie doesn't make sense too. Like the the presence of a child in this movie does not make any sense too. So it's like you're just you're just putting a pawn on the board to be a victim for for this plot. Like it's just all so silly and dumb. And I I just wish it was more fun. Like that's the thing. It, it is very gray. Gray is a good name for this movie. Yeah, rough, rough name for a movie. You know, yeah, I, I, rough title. I would say. You know, it doesn't inspire a lot of excitement. Although they've already announced that the next, um, yeah, 
the next Gray Man movie is being developed, you know? So maybe... More, uh, no, the next Gray Man content. Business content. <laughs> Business-focused content is being yeah. Maybe we're going to see... Uh, we're, we'll see it when the uh, the old sequel to Bright and uh, The Old Guard come out. You know, they'll, they'll all be released at the same time. <sighs> um, Jeff Kanata, what do you think about The Gray Man? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think about The Gray Man is best summed up in the form of a limerick. I don't doubt it. If you're subscribing or on a free trial, <laughs> check it out. I think it's worthwhile. It's got a great villain. If you're Netflix and chilling, who needs substance when you've got style? Mm. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Fine, Jeff. I disagree a lot with with uh, Davindra. You make points that I kind of understand and and I'm sympathetic to, but I did have fun with this movie. I did. I had fun with it. I don't think it's a great movie, but man, there are cool sequences. And you're right. Chris Evans is mm-hmm. awesome in this movie. He's, he's basically, I think it was a David Ehrlich who pointed this out, but he's basically playing the character he was in Scott Pilgrim. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. That's yeah. fun. Yes. Give me more of that. That's it, life. He's so charming. So fun. Such a, uh, such a, a, a chaotic, force in the movie i i, I had a blast watching him mm-hmm. and you know Ryan except Gosling's, for when he sits at a desk for half the movie that was that no, was less he, fun yeah I know, you're you're right that the movie is quippy and it's written like a film noir where everybody has the perfect line to say uh, yeah every moment it is a every line is crafted to be the most uh, you know perfect retort uh, but I liked it. I liked that. I had fun with that. It's it doesn't feel realistic. It doesn't feel grounded. It it. But I, I had fun. I thought the sequences. Some of the sequences you specifically referenced, I really liked. I thought the the hand to hand fight with smoke, like he, you know, it's a flare that's going yeah. off with the smoke. I was like, how the hell did they even make this? Because every reset, you got smoke all in there. And that's all the smoke it looked was like digital. CG. It looked it's like CG. It's all CG, smoke to me. That is yeah. all CG. It looked like awesome. It. it looked to me. It looked I would, awesome. I would have liked to see what is beneath the smoke. That is my only complaint. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it, it, it is, this is a movie that is style over substance, which I had enough fun with the style that I didn't care that there really wasn't any substance. And it's true. There's no substance. But man, there's enough really cool stylistic things that happen every everything is more complicated than it needs to be and at a certain point i just kind of went with that and had a great time one of my favorite things in movies like this is when you're presented with uh a solution and and that solution is smart and interesting and it still doesn't work and our main character just gets more uh, in more peril and that happens over and over and over in this movie i i love how it constantly keeps putting Ryan Gosling in these situations of like, well, how the hell would he get out of that? And then it comes with what I think a pretty clever solution. And then usually that clever solution isn't even the one that works. He has mm-hmm, to come up mm-hmm. with something even more clever. Like it, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty fun. There, there's stuff I want to discuss in spoilers because there's a, there's a clever solution to something when he's at like the bottom of a very deep hole. And I, I didn't know what happened. I, I don't know what was the thing. That he did to get himself out of that hole. Like, at the very least, give me something. Give me something. But anyway, that'll be spoilers talk. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I thought uh, I, I I just I had a good time with this movie. I, I I watched it in my home theater on a on a you know pretty big projector screen with great sound. It's a big bombastic expensive movie with charming actors. Uh, I, you know I I didn't expect a lot out of it. I think I came in with really low expectations because I had heard a lot of people hated it, and I just I had a fun ride. I thought it was I thought it was pretty fun. It's kinetic. It's over edited. But that, that's mm-hmm. that style that they're going for, where it's just really just nonstop kinetic movement. And I kind of just leaned into it and had fun. So I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, this is the best spy movie I've ever seen that has helped to finance everything everywhere all at once. Um <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, I'm right right I'm probably somewhere in between you two. I here is the case for the Gray Man. Okay, um, Ar- Anna de Armas was in No Time to Die for like yes. eight minutes, kicking ass. More kicking Anna de Armas point Gray Man. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and so it's like, wow, we get to see Anna de Armas being a complete badass in this movie. Multiple hand-to-hand fight scenes, multiple shootouts where she's. She gets a Doing rocket launcher at one point. That's cool. Yeah. If, yeah. if you want to see Anna de Armas being a badass and you're like, wow, like I wish they'd given her more than one scene in No Time to Die, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then I think you'll enjoy the yeah. game. If that's the only reason you're watching this movie, then <laughs> yeah. you're not you're not necessarily going to be disappointed. Okay? If you want to see Tamil film star Danush yes, kick Danush. Ryan Gosling's yeah. ass, he I awesome. think he is fun. He is awesome. I wish he had more to say. And I don't I don't <laughs> like the way they just kind of ended his thing but uh uh yeah. no, please uh asian characters and honor let's just let's just stop any of that please but uh i thought he was he's a good physical presence so i, yes. I like seeing him amazing yeah. amazing um i thought ryan gosson was actually pretty funny in this movie like i thought mm-hmm. he was actually mm-hmm. pretty funny and charming and, and he has like a pretty decent uh repartee with chris evans at this yeah movie. So, like i actually yeah. i actually think they're like their dynamic is they're they're both like really, can you believe we're getting paid 20 million dollars for this I, I can't i can't buddy let's go yeah, let's go was, this oddly, is a great time was a whole dialogue scene yeah it was really yeah. really weird um so th- that part's great i mean the other actors are like pretty wasted jessica henwick my so God, sad man. so sad amazing actor who just is given virtually nothing to do in this movie um and some of the like I I think very few of the action scenes actually look great in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. There, there's um, one that involves like a uh, what do you call it, like a rail car or yeah, street car. Heavy, heavy C, there's a heavy CG yeah. one that looks actually unfinished. It looks fun. Like it's interesting. Um, yeah. It looks unfinished. It's like not looking great. Which one are um, you sp- speaking about? That's I think I think we're talking about the same the one. rail car one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it it and it looks like the budget went more to the actors than to the mm, to the CG mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. to the you know to the production budget. Um, but mostly my big problem with the gray man is that every component of it feels better done in other films, right? Yeah. In specifically yeah. the movies we've already discussed, born identity, John wick and mission impossible. It is a mix of those movies. Every single movie I just named does the components of this movie better. And so you are better off watching um, John wick. If you're looking for a really cool, like, People intoning, you know, vague, you know, like society related stuff under their breath and awesome martial arts and stylish Mm -hmm. dressing, like dressing up and like go to John Wick for that. If you're looking for people doing actual stunts that are incredibly impressive and uh, in the guise of spy shit, 
Mission Impossible is where you want to go, you know? If you're looking for a guy who's incredibly tortured about his spy past, Born Identity, you know? It's just mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. all of those movies are better than this movie. Guy who's part but. of a covert, uh, covert uh, government club of assassins, too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with anything you just said, Dave. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if, like me, you have already seen those movies... <laughs> Then you should watch them again, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, your I time just, is better spent watching. I, I, I don't. Okay, okay. Yeah. If you yeah. liked it, Jeff, like that's fine. It's fine if you like yeah. it. Totally, totally fine. I, I think it's more like I really like this genre. You know, I think this yeah. is a, and I maybe like it too much. You know, so if I attach myself to some of these movies and things, that's that's on me. I, because I do yeah, think you're, you're yeah. being a little hard on the movie, Jinder, because I, I think there's like one or two good action scenes of the movie. No, you know? I said there's one or two. Yes, yes. I and, said there's you know, one or two, and specifically, and, you know, uh, you I think check that. Them out. That real car thing is fine. I think the final like uh, fist fight scene between Gosling and uh, and Evans is 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 good. It's like really it's funny and like there's it's like a nice conversation as a uh, fight scene should be. Um, I think Ryan Gosling's abs get uh, highlighted at one point. Pretty good, pretty good abs. So there there are certainly things, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I I will enjoy watching those clips on YouTube. Sometime in the future, you know, like mm-hmm. this is not a movie I will ever come back to see because it, it gave me nothing. But if you guys enjoy it, I hear some people think it's fun when. Yeah, sure. Have fun. I'm not telling you not to have fun. If you listed any of those movies and said, should I watch this or Gray Man? I'd be like that. Not. <laughs> but also, like, if, if you're tr- like, it's kind of what I said in my. But if, we're, if we're waiting 14 months before the release of Mission sure. Impossible yes. 7 Dead Reckoning. And you've but, got but, a yeah. subscription to mm-hmm. Netflix and you want something fun to do on a Friday night. You could do a lot worse than the Gray Man. I mean, yeah, I guess I, yeah, guess I can agree th- with that's, that. That's true. That is yes. that's certainly true. I, I would say if somebody is looking for like, hey, I like these kinds of movies. Uh, what, what's like a spy movie that's doing something new and interesting? Which is a question I get sometimes. That is how I get people to watch Man from Uncle. And in general, I get satisfied customers. So um, yeah, that's just yeah. Me. I like this genre. I would say I, I would say Man from Uncle is a better film than this as well. So. I mean, we, by far, we, did, but, yeah. we really did have everything, Davindra. We really <laughs> had, did have everything. Mm, once yeah. upon a time. Um, I, I just wish it was more. And in spoilers, I could talk about like some of my gripes with it. I wish it was more fun. I wish I had fun. I'm fine with dumb movies. You know, I'm fine <laughs> with a dumb movie that is, I could just kind of let the plot wash over me. Nothing that the CIA people do makes any sense. Like, I don't. What is the plot? What is the greater yeah, plot? L- l- let's there? get the spoilers. Yeah. Let's get the spoilers. Um, so spoilers for the gray man starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Trying to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right. So, Devendra, um, uh, well, let me, let me say one gripe I have with the movie. Let me start sure. off by saying... Uh, I thought the uh, the ending was kind of underwhelming. The the concluding fight scene. You you've had like massive mm-hmm. explosions and all this. Like I like a movie to have a build, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's building up to some big confrontation that's going to be more spectacular than anything else that's come before it. And hand to hand fight scene that's like decently choreographed. Not a terrible way to end the movie, but like yeah. I was a little bit underwhelmed uh, given everything that happened until that point. I thought I would, it was I cool. Like they they strip yeah. away all everything, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're, and I love how the, the, the girl leaves, we throw all our guns away and they just walk over and start pummeling each other. There's no, yeah. Yeah. there's like no uh, attempt at 
beguiling the other guy. He's just like, no, we're mm-hmm. just going to go and pummel each other. I'm going to smack your head through the the cement uh, fountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and, and there's cool. some there's some like straight up wrestling moves in that yeah. fight. So I, I thought that part was fun. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was fun, but it's more like I I was. I was happy to see that the camera was staying in place. It wasn't cutting too much. I could actually see. There are bits where I actually couldn't see because they they love to do that in this movie. Um, they kept the the freaking drone cam. I don't know what was going on with the drone shots in this movie, but there, uh, somebody needs to take that remote controller away from uh, from the Russos or at least the cinematographers because uh, there was it was giving me a headache and never like fit into the way the rest of the movie moved. You know, it just felt like we had drone shots for drone shots. I think we yeah. as a society are still figuring out like what the place of drone shots is in movies. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, it's a very distinct aesthetic. Yes. Like anytime you see a drone shot, it's usually, it's very obvious. Well, it, specifically an FPV drone shot. Yes. It's like yes. very obvious that it's an FPV drone shot. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I still think, you know, there's a bunch of them in ambulance as well, Michael Bay's ambulance. And so I still think we're trying to figure out, directors mm-hmm. are figuring mm-hmm. out like, how can we incorporate this into the movies right now? But like, the way they've been doing it, it doesn't feel seamless. It feels yeah. very showy and calls attention to itself. So Dr- I don't drone think shots yeah. smashing and being edited like right next to a normal, you know, normal footage just doesn't quite work. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to use a drone, give me give me an entire fight scene shot with the drone. Let that drone move everywhere. Yeah, because the like, thing is, drone shots, FPV something. drone, FPV drone shots are usually really short. You yes. know, they're usually like yes. less than five seconds. Yes. And so, um, I, I would agree that they haven't quite nailed it yet. But, um, but you know, I I did a the whole season of uh, uh, fan controlled football. Uh, I was a commentator in the booth for for football, and they had a drone covering the field uh, mm-hmm. all, for all the games. And I got to tell you. Those drone operators can do magic. It's insane. It is There's insane how those things fly. Yeah. No reason why those shots need to be short. They could, I mean, we had these long, I mean, in fact, there was an entire stream that you could do of just from the drone's perspective. And they did some just mind-bogglingly cool stuff. So I, I, I'm mm. not as uh I'm not as 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 pessimistic on the future of drone shots in, in movie. I think I think we could oh, I, I'm well, not pessimistic I'm, either. Yeah. I'm just saying they haven't quite nailed it yet. That's Let's bring I'm, some of that yeah. stuff into the movies. Like if you give me a long extended fight scene with the drone, maybe moving in and out, you can go overhead. You could do a lot of things. Try to do it continuously or something. Like there's so much that they could do. It's just every drone shot here is like swooping vistas, swooping into something. There's a point where the drone like swoops to them in a building, and I was like, okay, that was interesting. It goes like into an indoor shot. Um, but yeah, beyond that, yeah. Yeah, didn't need it. Yeah, is, is there basically is there a storytelling function of the drone shot other than this looks cool? You know, mm-hmm. maybe I, there I will do, be. Maybe I think be, yeah. most of this movie is this looks cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, I, and like I said, <laughs> do we style- need fireworks in this fight scene? No, but it no, looks cool. But yeah. it looks cool. Yeah, and and I think that is it is very much style over substance. Dialogue is style over substance. You know, everything is it, the 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 plot such as it is 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 you know not interesting. It's it's how stylistically everything is accomplished, and you know it sounds like it it worked a little more better for me than it, for you guys. But I I kind of dug the style of the movie at a certain level. I don't think it's you know it's not the best action movie I've seen this year for for any you know by any stretch. Or it's not going to be a, a movie that I will return to, as you said, Devinder. But as a as a fun exercise in in watching some uh, directors kind of flex style wise, I thought it was kind of fun. Devinder, any other scenes you want to highlight from this movie? I mean, you were saying how it doesn't really make sense. Uh, the mm-hmm. the tone of the movie is all over the place, and that's a problem. I mean, I, I think that Chris Evans, 
almost feels like he's coming out of a parody of a spy movie, right? Which would be okay if that was what the rest of the movie was. But then you have Ryan Gosling dealing with daddy issues, which just, I gotta be honest, feels really out of place. Don't know about any of that. Yeah. Um, It's more like, um, I I could tell what they were going for, right? The the CIA stuff is basically, it's a Reggie Jean page is, has all these bad assets and he's having people (laughs) kill for him. And okay, uh, that's bad. I guess I don't understand the way he worked with Jessica Henwood's character. And I don't understand her turn to just become, okay, I'm going to embrace the the evil of this organization <laughs> and just use these tools. I don't, I don't understand any of that. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't, you don't have to, if you want to enjoy this movie, but it just seems like that. I, I don't know. I, I would like some greater point. Like it does feel like watered down born identity where it's just people shouting at the CIA, you know, like those scenes of people being frustrated about Jason Bourne, except you don't care about anything that's happening. I like to care a little bit about any of these things. Yeah. I was calling it the Bourne penitentiary. Mm. No, 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 not, a, not impressed with that. Cause he, cause he was in jail, you know, the Bourne penit. No. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, really? It's that that was a bad one? I thought that was actually kind of clever. <laughs> um didn't love it. Didn't love it. Like like the uh like the Limerick more, Jeff. Like the Limerick more. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um Yeah, I would say that it, the you know, the way that that played it, it reminded me of honestly how in most of these spy movies, the thing that the spy is trying to take down is the government that sure, hired, like sure. employed the spy itself. Yeah. Um kind of like in Mission Impossible, like the first I want to say I, I think isn't is Sean Harris's character in Mission Impossible from the IMF? I don't remember. Anyway, but no, like former, met, he was like former or something. Yeah. Many Mission Impossible movies, like the enemy is actually someone from the IMF. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. almost um, always the first movie, and, Ghost Protocol. You know, yeah. let's yeah. find something better than a thumb drive to be chasing, right? <laughs> thumb drive. Yeah. Let's just put a moratorium on thumb drive as the MacGuffin, but, please. Yeah, Jeff, it's a dead drive. It's a dead <clears> drive, so they can't they can't copy it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be re-encrypted if they try yeah. to copy it. Can I we also can we also put a moratorium on older mentor character sacrificing themselves via explosion in order to give the uh-huh. protagonist some additional time to escape? Because that thing happens literally two times in this twice movie. in this movie <laughs> with characters I cared a little more. Like I think Alfred Woodard does some really cool. Yeah. Like she is really interesting and cool in this movie. Um, well, the last movie yeah. I saw Alfred Woodard in was probably the movie that I would say is the complete opposite of this movie in terms of on every conceivable level, uh-huh. um, which was a, a 2019 movie called Clemency. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a very powerful movie about um, who somebody preparing to execute and, and like give someone the death penalty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she plays, you know, one of the people that's like responsible for it. And it's, it's really, uh, amazing! It's an amazing performance. She does great in it. It's one of the best She's films great. of that year. She probably um, got paid a lot less than that. Than <laughs> that's that's the point. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, unfortunate. You know, she's Alfred Woodard is not immune to the needs of business focused content either. <laughs> Everybody here knows the deal, so yeah, it's totally fine. Uh, I, I will say this is another one of those things where um, I don't like a spy movie when the spies are dumber than me. Okay, uh-huh. so let's all what, go to Alfred Woodard's house, guys. Let's just. <laughs> Let's just go there. The, mm-hmm. the one like major, you know, resource uh, in that city that that you know people <laughs> will exactly know what we're going to. Let's uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character. I I, I have uh, created a you know a covert uh, family of spies, a covert spy program 
I have countless enemies in the world. Uh, I'm responsible for so many assassinations. I'm going to adopt my my niece. I'm just going to bring her into my house, not really have any security around, you know, not have a safe house while I'm a basically notorious war criminal. Um, just well, have her hang out. The thing that really bothered she me, Devendra, is... She could chill. Yeah. The, the, the thing that really bothered me in this movie was the use of windows. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, Billy Bob Thornton's house, if I recall correctly, has, like... Giant windows Dozens all of around. F- floor-to-ceiling windows. It's like, if you're a spy, you're not going to choose a house that has tons of floor-to-ceiling windows. It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. I, this I, is I, why, I, like, this is why I, uh, will never be a spy. I, I love natural light, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you love... <laughs> Jeff loves the skylights. You know, he loves <laughs> yeah. the floor to ceiling. Yeah. I mean, and, they 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 had a security cons- you know consultancy at that house, and uh, Fitzroy was just like, "I need the light. I need it. I need to see <laughs> yeah. Hong Kong. I need to see all of it. I'm on top of this hill. I want to see yeah. everything I paid for." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, while I'm giving advice to spy like people, mm-hmm. um, if you are trying to protect yourself from the best assassin in the world, maybe don't have like. Uh, Put ton like millions of dollars worth of equipment at every single one of your guard outposts. Yeah, yeah. because he basically like takes down one of the guard outposts and it has a full fucking arsenal there. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid uh, at <laughs> the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty silly stuff. I, I was so. wondering, like, Anna de Armas, where did you get that rocket launcher from? Like, it it was is... from that guard outpost. Okay, she, wow. They like took down one of these outposts and it had like you know <laughs> ten guns and a rocket launcher and grenades and everything like that. It's like, dude, like, anyway, yeah. yeah. So. What do you guys think would have happened if the safe house that the girl was in at the end didn't have a record player? <laughs> um, you think you think Ryan Gosling would have just been kind of waiting there in the bushes for like mm-hmm, three mm-hmm. days until he's like, okay, for I his gotta moment. figure out a better plan here. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad they took care of her. You know, they know she likes records, so they got her one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I like yeah, sure. uh, I like the, the one he asked her to play loud has a really soft intro, like eight sixteen <laughs> bars of like. Just wait, just wait, gets good, gets good. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't, I don't understand the final scene at all because he he kidnaps this girl, and they're just gonna be on the run forever from the U.S. government. Like, I don't, I what are you? He's gonna take care of her. While well, on the run, the, while also the, being a notorious Vindra, assassin, Vindra, these are all the questions that are going to be answered in the Gray Man Part Two. That's so, true. That's true. The Gray yeah. Men. Yeah. Yeah. Too gray, too furious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> gray right, Man guys. and Cub. Oh. At the end of the day, it's impressive that the Russo brothers and the filmmakers behind this made some business-focused content. Great so. content. Great content. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Great content. Okay. That's going to bring us to the end of this episode of The Filmcast. Find more episodes at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen uh, of Varsity Blue. Check out his band, also The Midnight, as well. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on The Filmcast, we are going to be covering Bullet Train. Next week on the film guest, Bullet Train. Another spy movie. Yeah. Brad really? Pitt action movie. We'll see if that is does a better job. Of, it, uh, it really needs to do well for me to, for my uh, chances of not being at the bottom of the heap at the. Of the <laughs> so it's movie it's all we're fighting for. Nobody wants to be the, the ultimate loser. Yeah, the biggest yeah. loser. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You, you know, Dennis, who's been tweeting, uh, you know, who runs the summer movie and who runs some movie W um, over on Twitter. He recently ran some simulations and pe- and for the first time, I think, in summer movie wager history. 
my chances of winning are lower than Jeff Canales. <laughs> First time in history? No. How dare Peter you? Serretta's, Peter Serretta is leading the pack at 50%. Jermaine, 32%. Devinger, 12%. Jeff Canada, 4%. Dave Chen, 3%. <sighs> That's so sweet yeah. 1% advantage, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Downton Abbey fucked me, guys. <laughs> Curse the British. Yeah. Downton Abbey fucked me. Oh, okay, man. I thought I was really smart being the one who put Mission Impossible, or excuse me, uh, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick lowest mm-hmm. on my list. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. thought I was smart. But David Litch, um, he of uh, John Wick fame, he yes. is going to be directing uh, Bullet Train. So yes. we're going, you know... If Bullet Train is better, which I don't know if it will be, we should talk about why it's better than The Great Man. So mm-hmm, let's let's mm-hmm. think about that. It's as a good we comparison. Approach. Yeah, I'm excited for this movie. I, I, I'm I'm hoping yeah. it is good. Also, director of Atomic Blonde. Uh, I don't yeah. think about Deadpool too much, but Atomic Blonde, I genuinely loved. Good, so. good movie. Yeah, amazing yeah. action sequences. Atomic Blonde. So, mm-hmm. all right, folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you uh, very very soon on the next episode of the Filmcast. Uh, and again, you can support us over at Patreon.com/slash/FilmPodcast. Uh, Really appreciate everyone who makes the show possible. See you later.